Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, I'm going to finish up this message today, so we're going to jump right into it. And uh, the best is yet to come, part three. I have two points that I'm going to share with you today. And uh, Pastor Hector came to my office earlier this morning, and I started preaching them to him. So um, if I run past the clock, well, it just is what it is. Point number four. First of all, welcome all of you, especially that are visiting with us today. It's good to have you, those watching online always. But uh, thank you for being here today. How many of you are ready to receive the word? I don't want to preach if you're not ready to get it. If you're ready to receive it, I got something to share with you. Uh, How many of you like fresh revelation? I mean, when you just read something you've been reading for 50 years. I got two things this morning that over the last couple of days as I was reading, meditating on Scripture, Holy Spirit revealed to me, and I was like, it's good, isn't it, Hector? They got something to expect, right? I'm telling you, it, it was like a light came on. And I was like, wow, this is, this is good stuff. Don't you just love the Holy Spirit? He comes to teach us, to help us, to tell us things that we have need to know. How many of y'all still have something left you need to know before you're through with this world? Amen. If you're breathing, you're living, you have something yet left to learn. All right, point number four. Your life, your season, your time. Your life, your season, your time. Follow along. I'm going to read you a familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm chapter 139. Don't you love it? Verse 1 through till we're finished. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. I don't know about y'all, but that's scary sometimes. I noticed none of y'all were saying amen while I was reading that. I mean, it's both really good that the Lord has searched me and known me. And when I sit down and when I rise up, he discerns my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which nobody wants to do, you're there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, how many of them? Every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. 
If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Every person sitting in this room, watching online, listening on the podcast, hear me. You are significant, vitally important, created, knitted by the very hand of God in your mother's womb. I think you ought to give the Lord a praise for that. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Say, oh, but pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know how I came into this world. Doesn't matter. What the devil meant for bad, God turned reversed and knows it for your glory and for your good. This is our generation. Said it last week. This is our day. We're not an accident. God has us here for such a time as this. And if we can believe it as adults, then we can pour it into our children and begin to get them to believe that they are really important to God. That he, I'm telling you, every, every parent in this room ought to sit down tonight before you go to bed with your kids and read this scripture to them and tell them every word is for you. And let them soak in, soak in, soak in who they are in Christ. Because you know what will happen? The emptiness that the world has inside of them, they don't know who they are. They don't know that this is their day. They don't know that they're living for a purpose and a reason. Whether they have walked and rejected God and they're empty and they're lifeless and they're hopeless. And they're... I read an article yesterday of a man who spent almost 30 years of his life in a homosexual lifestyle. And he said he went into a coffee shop one day to meet with a couple other homosexual friends. And they were sitting down. And when he went to sit down at the table, he noticed on the table next to him, there were uh, some coffee cups and three Bibles. And the next thing he knew, three young men came and sat down. And he said he doesn't know what overcame him. But he turned and said, are those Bibles you are reading? And then he asked him, why are you reading it? And one young man just started to share the love of Jesus with these three young men bound up in the lifestyle of homosexuality. And he said at first he got mad. But he said then he couldn't stay mad because this young man that was sharing just had love just, just oozing out of him. Just telling him how. So, so the guy decided he'd just throw it out there and just threw his homosexuality into this young man's face. But he didn't respond to it. He just responded that God has something better. Better for him. He said he got up, and before he left, the young man said, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church this weekend. He said, oh, I don't go to church, and I don't read that book you're reading. But he said he went home, and he said he was miserable for the next few days. Because he started hearing something inside of him that he hadn't heard in a long time. And the next thing he knew, Sunday morning came along and he said he got up and he found himself getting dressed. And he asked himself, where are you going? (laughs) And self said to him, we're going to go to that church. So he said he went there, just full of it, waiting to be offended And the pastor got up and just preached the love of Jesus. And he said in the middle of the message, he said all of a sudden, he said, it overcame me that this, my life, is not who I was created to be. Just overcame me. This is not who I am. And this lifestyle will no longer be a part of my life. And he responded to the altar call, gave his heart to Jesus, and set out on a life. Amen. Give the Lord a praise for that because it's powerful. Why? Because he was formed in his inward parts, knitted together in his mother's womb by God for something greater than what he was living. 
And I love that he went on to tell his story over the last few years, that the, that the issues he had in his flesh, the desires he had, even the desires for the, for the same sex, he said, those things didn't just go away. But he said, I crucified them and began to go, if I have those feelings the rest of my life, I'm never submitting to them ever again in my life. I'm going to walk as one that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That says to me in this young believer's life that he got a revelation that just because you have urges, you don't have to submit to them. You have urges, you don't have to submit to them. Same, same thing in the heterosexual lifestyle. You're married, stay married, love the wife of your youth, love the man that God gave you, stay committed to one another, join to one another, and when you get crazy urges, you don't give in to them. Why? Because God created you for something greater. This is your life, this is your season, this is your time. One other scripture, Psalm 61, verse, a couple of verses here. Hear my cry, O God, the, the psalmist cried out, and listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. How many of you ever have a heart that's faint? Come on, be honest. There are times, man, in the last couple of years, you've gone through some stuff. And your heart's gotten shaken a little bit. And you, got, you had to overcome things that we've been ministering over the last few months. You overcame fear. You overcame anxiety. You overcame all kinds of attacks against your mind as a spirit-filled believer because all hell was trying to rob the church of Jesus Christ from being who we were called to be. And you grew faint. And the psalmist cried out, from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There is a rock. It's not the rock of Gainesville. The rock of Gainesville exists because of the rock, Christ Jesus. Amen? Christ Jesus, the rock, our salvation, our hope, our strength, our all in all. We need to know who we are, what our purpose is, what God's called us to. We need to believe in our heart that our best days are yet to come because until we go to heaven, God's got a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope for every person sitting in this room. Some of y'all believed it at times. Other times it's overwhelmed you. Other times it's like, no, I can't do anything for God. It's every attack of the enemy that attacks your mind, you need to learn as a spirit-filled believer to reject it, denounce it, declare it's a lie from hell. And begin to do what I told you to do last week. Look in the mirror and declare, good morning, righteous man or woman of God. So that you walk out every day going, Lord, what is your purpose for me today? This is my life. This is my season. It's my time. What do you want to accomplish in my life? I've got a couple of stories I want to share with you. They're pretty neat stories. The first one is, uh, last weekend was the Super Bowl. And... Uh, I kind of have lost interest in, in all professional sports over the last couple of years because of their stupidity and bowing their knee to the devil and, and following idiot, you know, millionaire kids that, that have convinced much of the world of wokeism and all kind of other stupidism. And, and so I just got tired of it and, and people that our kids are looking up to are idiots. And so I just like, you know, I ain't got time for that mess. And, Plus, I didn't like either, either team that was playing. Matter of fact, I don't even know that I have a team that I like anymore. But, but uh, you know, it was a Super Bowl, so Suzanne and I watched a little bit of it. And, and uh, I found myself at least trying to figure out who could I, who could I be for, you know. And, and so I started thinking about, well, the SEC. Well, the, the, both quarterbacks are SEC kids, you know. So I'm like, well, you know, flip a coin there. And, and then, uh, you know, there's a kid on the Rams that, that I'd heard love God, didn't know anything about him, never even heard anything about him. And so I think, well, I, I'm, I'm always for those that are righteous. And then I found out, well, we got a Gator kid that was our kicker, and uh, he's made a name for himself with, with the Bengals. And so I'm thinking, well, flip a coin, I can be for them. And, and uh, so the ga game kind of came and went and I got bored with it and turned it off. Didn't know who won until the next morning. And, uh, but, and it's irrelevant who won to me, except for the testimony of this young man. His name is uh, Cooper Cup. And I noticed during the game, this, this young man, uh, 
he was just, they just kept talking about him. Part of the Rams team, and he caught like nine uh, passes during the game, two touchdowns. He ran um, as a wide receiver, uh, running back, and, and, uh, and then after the game, the next day I'm reading this story that he had been named most valuable player of the game. And, uh, but more importantly than winning most valuable player of the game, and oh, by the way, he also was most valuable player of the whole NFL season this year. Uh, had, had, as some of the analysts said, one of the greatest uh, seasons of any pro football player ever in one year. But more important than all of that was I see this news clip of this young man, 28 years old, and his little boy sitting on his lap. Well, that immediately got my heart going, you know. And I'm watching this young man humble, humility just seeping out of him. No arrogance, you know, no, no, no being stupid on national television, no, no me-ism. He just was, he said, I, I, I don't even feel like I deserve this. And I'm thinking, hold it. Nine catches, two touchdowns, uh, ran for a number of yards, uh, did all this to help his team come back from being down and win the game. Well, somebody's the most valuable player, so it must have been him. But humility. And they start asking him questions, and he, he starts answering. And, and you know what? When you've just been named most valuable player of the Super Bowl and hundreds of millions of people around the world are watching, they can't turn off the interview in the middle of it because they don't like what the young man's saying. And he starts giving credit to who he is in Jesus Christ. That the greatest thing in his life was not being, being named the most valuable player, but it's being named a son of God, child of God. And, and, he's, and he makes this statement. I want to try to read one of them to you because it was so... Powerful. There it is. He said, he said, I don't know. I don't feel deserving of this. All I know is that God is just so good. I'm just so thankful for the guys that I get to be around, the coaches, most importantly, my family. Cup then took reporters on a journey to another place and another time when he had a vision from God. <laughs> and they don't turn off the interview. And he starts telling them about what happened back in 2019 when they got beat by the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He didn't even get to play in the game because he had a torn ACL or something. And so he's walking off the field. They've just gotten beaten. They're not on the side where all the cheering's going on. They're on the quiet side. They're walking off the field. And he said, he said, I, I don't know how to tell it to you except, well, God just gave me a vision, and the cameras keep running. How many of y'all saw this? Anybody? Go, you, can, you can Google it or YouTube it or whatever. It's, it's everywhere. It's pretty amazing. You need to go watch it. And he starts telling them that three years ago, the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, you're going to be back here. Your team's going to be back here. And... You're going to win the game, and you're going to be named the most valuable player. <laughs> 2019. Now, he wasn't like Joseph who ran home and told his brothers and everybody else. I think he had probably read the story once or twice. He told no one until, if I get this right, the night before the game, he told his wife. Only his wife. No one else. <laughs> Told his wife. He said, when I went to play tonight, he said, I played free. Because it was already written. And I just got to go play free. Knowing that I got to play from victory, not for victory. Woo! 
I got to play from victory. It's already written. Hear me. It didn't mean he didn't have to play. See, some people say, well, I get a vision from God. I ain't got to do nothing. No, no. He had to play and get hit. He got hit hard a couple of times. One time his body went this way and his head went that way. And I didn't even know who he was at the time. I was, all I was like, I told Suzanne, oh, my gosh, that's why I don't play football. I mean, that guy's body went all, all different kind of directions. He couldn't just stand on the sideline and say, it's written. I don't even have to play. No, he had to play. But he got to play in victory, not for victory. I got to play in a place where I was, who? Jesus, this will preach. I got to play in a place where I was validated, not from anything that happened on the field, but because my worth is in God, my Father. <laughs> Just a 28-year-old kid. He's got talent. And he's using what God's given him. And some of you are say, yeah, but pastor, I, I don't have that kind of, look, we're not all called to do that. You couldn't pay me enough money to get hit the way I saw that guy get hit. There's no ball worth catching. <laughs> and, and look, I'm a man of God. I'm strong. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give it, I'll go, but, but I have no desire to, bam, just none. But you know what? I'm called to do something that young man's not. And you're called to do something that that young man's not. Man, thank God we get to rejoice because I, I, I was thinking, Lord, you're so awesome. In the middle of all of this crazy stuff going on in the world, the biggest game of the biggest sport of the whole year on national television, hundreds of millions of people watching, and you got a remnant. You got a remnant. You got a remnant that was not ashamed of who he was in Christ Jesus. And he played his heart out, and then he gave Jesus Christ all the glory and all the honor. Hear me. You might not ever have an audience of hundreds of millions of people, but you got the audience of the one who has called you and anointed you for such a time as this. And all the Lord wants you to do is what he's called you to do. This is your life. It's your time, your season. Will you walk in the fullness of what, of what the Father has for you? Second story I read a couple of days ago, shared it with a team. Uh, for anybody that thinks, I don't have anything to give, first of all, it's such a lie. Such a lie. But the other day I was reading through the... Uh, Epic times, is that how you say it, or is it epoch? I say epic, but I would be correct. There was an article in that, um, and uh, the, 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 first of all, the picture showed this couple, and I looked at it, and then I, you know, had my glasses on, so I'm trying to read what their, their little handwritten signs, and their little handwritten sign says, free free mom hug. And the other one said, free dad hug. Well, that immediately caught my eye because of an experience I had years ago at Christ for the Nations. Many of you might remember that story of hugging students for several hours at the end of a message. And, uh, but I started reading this, and it says, couple gives 600 Mom and dad hugs at major university overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And, and I read the story, and, and, and in summary, this young couple, probably middle 30s or, or a little older, were visiting another church in another town from where they lived. And while they were sitting there, the pastor preached this message on grief, and the, 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 the wife looked over and she saw this young girl, 16-year-old young lady, sitting a few rows from her who seemed very emotional during the service. And as soon as the service was over, she leaned over and told her husband, I got to go meet that girl 
because Holy Spirit told me to go hug her. So he, she said she got up and she walked over as soon as the service was over and the young lady turned to her and she just said, can I offer you a hug? And the girl literally leapt into her arms and began to weep. See, she had just lost her mom, had died a few months before. And this girl, who perfect stranger, just was hanging on to this mother and wouldn't let go. And she said eventually they finished embracing hugs. She spoke to her and they went to leave service. And she turned to her husband and she said, Honey, I just got the craziest idea that the Lord wants us to, when we get back home, North Carolina, Appalachian State University, Holy Spirit just spoke to me that, that he wants us to go out and just give a free hug. And her husband said, I'm all in, let's do it. Some of y'all's husbands wouldn't do that with it. <laughs> Honey, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> you tell me how that goes for you. <laughs> so they got home, they just simple little, you know, poster board and wrote free mom hug, free dad hug. Didn't ask for permission. Just went out to the university that morning, put their little chairs out and put their sign on front of it. People started walking by and she said some would walk by and look and read and look and read and just keep going and then you'd watch them turn around and they'd come back and, and they'd get a hug. And she said we stood there for about seven hours and we just hugged everybody that wanted to hug. College professors, staff, janitorial people, maintenance people, students. She said some would come and embrace for a second. She said, we gave, we gave all kind of hugs. We gave sad hugs, happy hugs, tearful hugs, rib-breaking hugs. And she said, some of the students would leave, take their hug, and go to class, and then come back by on their way to another class for another hug. <laughs> some would say to her, you know, we're, we're, I'm going through this today, I'm going through that, got things going on in my life. I just didn't realize how much I just needed a hug. How many of you can hug somebody? I'm not telling you to go out to the university or anywhere else. I'm just telling you, this is our day, our time, our season. We get creative in our giftings and anointings. And we just touch lives where they are. Because you never know what a hug would do for someone or a bottle of water, or a kind word. Simple things. Oh, they, they might not be what Cooper Cup did, but they're every bit as important. Amen. See, he will answer to God for the platform God gave him. Oh, this is good right here. And you will answer to God for the platform he gave you. I don't know... There, there are some folks in this house that every time I see them, I just prepare for a hug. Even when I was telling y'all, don't hug me. They, they would walk up and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm sickness free. I'm, I'm COVID free. I'm everything free. I just need a hug. I got texts from, from precious uh, little widows in our house. Some of the older women who in the middle of COVID would write me a text and say, Pastor, I long for the day when I can hug you again. We need a hug. We need that confirmation, that affirmation, that love of Father God. So this is your day, your hour, your season, your time. And your best is yet to come. When we start saying, God, what do you want to do and accomplish in my life? All right, I got to move on. I got point number five. Oh, this is good stuff right here. I mean, this point I'm about to give you, that was good too. Amen? Yeah. And we need to receive it in the fullness of life. All right, point number five. Choose battles worth fighting. This is a totally different message than what I just finished. This message, choose the battles. Keep this in mind. My best is yet to come, so I have to choose battles worth fighting. The enemy will bring all kind of crap into your life that you need to not fight, you need to ignore. 
You need to walk away from. You need to not get caught up in it. How many of y'all waste spiritual energy driving your car when somebody cuts you off? You're wasting precious spiritual energy on somebody you're never, you don't even know who they are. You don't, all you see is the car, you don't even see a face. And yet you're giving them this and you're wanting to give them the finger, but at least you got righteous and you don't want to lose your finger. So you, you keep it where it belongs, but, but you get all aggravated and, and, and we go through things in life where if we're not careful, the battles we're facing are distractions from the greater call. So I want to share with you today out of two familiar stories. The first one is the story of Abraham. And, and I don't know, I've never preached this in this, never before, because I just got this revelation. But Abraham and his nephew Lot. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all this, but Genesis chapter 12, three verses. Listen to this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, sorry. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Listen to this again. Go from your country and your kindred or your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then I'm going to give you Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15. Y'all go home and read this today. Make sure I'm preaching it to you right, okay? I don't have time to read three whole chapters. But hear me. When God spoke that to Abram, and he gathered up his wife, his servants, his possessions, and his nephew Lot. It was the last time God spoke to Abram for a while. Ooh. God just got through declaring all this blessing that's going to come on his life, and then God goes silent. Because Abram gets up and heads to Canaan with everybody that God told him to, plus kindred. Did he not say, leave your kindred, your relatives, your father, and your home, and go to Canaan? So you know the story. They go. They get in discussion. Their servants begin to argue. Lot goes over to another place, gets in all kind of trouble, his wife turns into a pillar of salt. And then ultimately, Abram has to go and save Lot and all his possessions. And you get over in that amazing scripture where after God gave Abram the, 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 the victory, he comes back to Melchizedek, the high priest of God, and he pays a tithe of all the spoils of everything that he had taken. And then it says that God spoke to Abram. So I offer this thought. Abraham's told to leave and take no kindred, relatives, family. Leave his father, go to Canaan. Abraham gathers everything and allows his nephew Lot to follow. There's always a consequence when we do not fully obey the voice of the Lord. Choose your battles wisely. Why? Did Abraham take Lot? Why did Abram take his nephew? Well, we know that about Lot's history, and we, and we, we know about his family. And did Abram feel sorry for Lot? Was he burdened that if he obeyed God but left Lot, everybody would talk bad about him? Did he have thoughts about, well, I, you know, I can do this, but maybe God didn't mean everybody in my family. But for whatever reason, Abram did not obey the voice of the Lord. 
partial obedience is no obedience. Ooh, it's so quiet in here. We used to teach this to our kids. Delayed obedience is not obedience. And Abram did not hear the voice of God. So my question, do you have some lots in your life? Do you have some lots in your life? We have to get the lots out of our lives so that we will fight the battles that God puts in front of us that are for us to fight. You say, it's such a minor thing, Pastor. No, (laughs) it's not so minor. When the voice of God stops, that's not a minor thing in your life. When you're seeking the face of God to obey, to do what he's called you to do, knowing that if you'll do it, it'll produce blessing. But in the midst of it, you alter what God said. We miss out. You know, I've preached this so much in the past. Whatever God's called you to do, he has what? Grace. Come on, say it out loud graced you to do. He graced Abram to obey. He didn't. And when he didn't, it cost him. And he spent energy and time. And then finally, when it came to the point where Abram says to Lot, just choose whichever way you want to go, and I'll go the other way. And Lot chose and left. It says, then God spoke to Abram. And he said, look as far as you can see. It's all yours. It's all yours. Abram had to get Lot out of his life so that he could walk in the fullness. For some of you, I'm, I know Holy Spirit is speaking a word right now in your heart and life because there are things that the Lord wants to accomplish in your life And there's been a hindrance, and you haven't known why the Lord has gotten quiet. Is it total obedience, which you have a grace to walk in? Or is it partial obedience, and you're trying to make your will God's will? All right, I want to go on to the second story. So the first one, get the lots out of your life. The second story has to do with David and Goliath and David's brother, Eliab. How many of you read often about Eliab? Just pick up, read Psalms he wrote or great victories he accomplished. Come on, he's the older brother of David. You read about David, you read about Goliath. But but there's this older brother, Eliab, who could have stopped David from the greater call in his life, except David chose his battles wisely. 1 Samuel chapter 17, read it when you get home. not going to take time to read the whole chapter. Great, fun story. Read it with your kids. Read it if you ain't got no kids like you got kids. Just, I mean, it's such a great story, David's, David's story being told. But in this particular chapter, David's life, he goes out of obedience to his father. He's tending his father's sheep. You remember, he's out on on the pasture. He's got these sheep, as his older brother Eliab said, those little worthless sheep that you're responsible for. David doesn't see them as worthless sheep. Matter of fact, he saw them of such value, listen to this, that he literally fought a bear and a lion, and killed them both for those, as his brother said, worthless sheep. Oh, this man, I could go somewhere with this right now. Some of y'all, hear me? The enemy's telling you it's worthless what's in your heart that the Lord's put there. It's so small and little that there can't be any value to it, but there is. 
Because it's what God gave you responsibility over. He gave you responsibility over. David's father, Jesse, calls him in and says, Son, look, I'm going to give you this uh, food, this picnic basket. And uh, you know your brothers are up there with Saul, King Saul. And I hear there's something going on crazy. And I need you to go up and check on your brothers and take them some food. So David, in obedience, gets somebody to watch these sheep. And he takes the basket of food and he goes to where the children of Israel are, the Israelites. And they're in a place of battle. They're not battling. They're just in a place of battle. And the uh, enemy is on the other side of the, of the hill. And as David comes into the camp, he hears this voice shouting. And he looks down into the valley and he sees this giant. And this giant is cursing the Israelites. More importantly, they're cursing, he's cursing the God of the Israelites. making fun of them, belittling them. And the children of Israel, the Israelites, they're shaking in their boots. They're scared after death. They forgot who their God was. David comes into the camp. He's just killed recently a bear and a lion. He comes in with his picnic basket, and he looks down, and he said, what's, what's up with this? Here, hear me. Hear this story. And they say to him, well, it's a giant, and he's, he's saying if one of us will come out and fight him. If our guy wins, then we win it all. If he, if he wins, they win it all. And David says, well, why hasn't anybody gone out? And, and everybody says, look at this giant. David looks, and in his mind, hear me, he doesn't see a giant. He, he sees nothing more than a bear and a lion. But listen to this. David asked the question. David didn't just, he doesn't just grab his sling and take off down to the valley and, and, and man, I'm going to go kill me a giant. Oh, no. David chooses his battles wisely. So he asked the question, what will you get to the one who kills the giant? Come on, somebody. Don't be sitting there going, oh, I never think about what the Lord's going to give me. Liar. Even the disciples, when Jesus was telling them, you know, what will happen if people do this and that, and, and the disciples like, well, Lord, we left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? I'm in this because what I'm getting, a relationship with my God who loved me, formed me, and created me in my mother's womb, had a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope, knows my last day from my first day. And he's called me for such a time as this. But my calling is no different than yours. Every one of us has to find out what, what, what has God called me to do, us to do? And what battle do I have to fight to get there? Now, real quick, David, they, they, they say, well, David, to the one who goes out and defeats the giant, first of all, he's going to get to marry the king's good-looking daughter. David's young, single, and he's all in for that. And secondly, him and all of his family don't ever have to pay taxes anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm all in for that. I get a pretty woman and don't have to pay taxes. Oh, yeah, by the way, then I become royalty. And it says, then David said, I'll go. But before he could go, he passes his brother, he gives him the basket of food, and his brother Eliab begins to mock him, make fun of him. What are you doing here anyhow, you little whippersnapper? Who's tending those worthless sheep your daddy's got you out in the pasture? Why are you even here? You see, Goliath was mocking the Israelites, Eliab was mocking David. And for David, when it came to the giant, he said, what do I get? I believe when Eliab mocked his little brother, David's mind, the first thing that went there was, what do I get if I stop and whip my brothers 
aspirin bottle. What do I get besides, what, what if I make fun of him in front of all his peers like he just made fun of me? What, what, what am I going to get? And immediately he realized nothing but his ego stroked. And it says he turned, didn't even respond to Eliab. He turned and went after the king to say, I will fight the giant. We have to know what battles to fight. And I love going into the Old Testament and, and hearing wonderful stories that challenged me in the year 2022 that the battles that are raging against me, all of them are not my battles. Some battles are for you to fight. And when you fight them and win, guess what? We all win. You see, when David fought the giant, guess what? He didn't just win. The whole nation of Israel won. As soon as David knocked that giant down and ran down there and grabbed the, 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 the giant sword, massive sword, and rolls that thing over his head and chops his head off and holds up the head of Goliath, all Israel shouted and they started chasing Philistines. Why? Because all of a sudden there's a battle now worth fighting and they believe they have the victory. What is it that you're called to do? What battle are you called to fight? And for goodness sake, for your own sake. Stop fighting Eliab. He's irrelevant. His name's never spoken of again in the Bible. Don't waste your time in a battle that God hasn't set before you. Ignore it. Walk away. Why? Because there's a greater battle yet to come. And when that battle comes, guess what? You win. You just don't quit, you win. You walk out in fullness the thing that the Father has for your life. So if you need to get rid of a lot today in your life, go before God and say, Lord, what lot is keeping me from the life you've called me to live? My life, my time, my season. What battle do I need to be in and what battle do I need to stay away from? to live the fulfillment that my best day is yet to come. That we are going to go from glory to glory. Winning souls, winning the lost, reaching out, touching our community, going into our world in Gainesville, and then out of it to the nations of the world. God's not through with the American church that loves Him and surrenders to Him 100%. He's going to use us if we shake off all the junk, get the Eliabs and the Lots out of our life and say, God, right here, right now, what is it you have for me? Would you bow your heads? Father, I just pray for us as a church right now, as a family. What is it that we need to get rid of in our lives? What is it that we need to stay focused on that matters? What is standing between me in my purpose, in my destiny? What distraction do I need to get rid of? Oh, Father, I pray over us as a people that we will hear and obey the voice, your voice, spoken by Holy Spirit in our lives to accomplish all that you have for us. Help us not to be swayed by the winds of doctrines, the foolishness, the things that others are speaking. Help us to clearly hear, Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, as you teach us, as you tell us the things that we need to know so that we can live out our best days from glory to glory, even until we reach the door of death and we walk through that door to the other side into your presence, oh God. And we will not live our latter days fearful and afraid that we're going to die one day. Lord, we all know we're going to die. But we all know that death is a door into the fullness of eternity. 
what joy there will be. But until that time, God, we want to be obedient to every word that you speak. So I speak this over us as a people, grace, grace, to walk out, to live out, to accomplish that which you called us to be. If, while your head's bowed, you just close before the Lord right there for just a moment. Holy Spirit's just speaking. It, if you know there's a lot right now in your life, I want to pray for you that you will have the strength and the wisdom and the grace to walk in obedience, to deal with that lot so that it will not hinder you from the fullness of all that Holy Spirit has. With every head bowed, no one's looking around. This is just between you, me, and Holy Spirit. Just lift up your hands. I'm going to pray over everyone in this room that wants to deal right now with a lot that God wants out of your life. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I just speak your word out of our obedience to lift up our hand and say, Lord, it's time for lot to go. It's time for lot not to be a part any longer of my life. Whatever that lot is, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us to walk in the fullness, to be that overcomer, so that we, like Abram, will be able to clearly hear your voice as you speak to us. I thank you for victory now in each of their lives. I thank you for victory in my life as I deal with the lots that want to hinder me from the greater call the lot of sickness, the lot of disease, the lot of not trusting. Lord, we just speak to these and we say in the name of Jesus, every demonic lie of hell is broken and we declare, denounce the works of darkness and receive the works of life because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Give you thanks and praise, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love y'all. Have a great day, okay? Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.